0: We're wrapping up our four-week series on forgiveness today. It's called Set Free, the Power of Forgiveness. And you know, I can often tell how a sermon series is kind of going over by some of the conversations with folks after preaching on on the weekends. And uh, judging by some of the conversations, it sounds to me like the subject of forgiveness has hit a chord, at least with some. It's good to know that the Word of God still works whenever our hearts are really open to hearing His truth. And we need to hear this truth about forgiveness over and over again because we all have an ongoing need for forgiveness from God and we all need to learn to forgive others in our lives. Archbishop Desmond Tutu said, Without forgiveness, there is no future. Without forgiveness, there is no future. And he was speaking not just of his personal pain, but also in the larger context of South Africa and the aftermath of apartheid. What's true of individuals is true of families. What's true of families is true of communities and nations. Without forgiveness, there is no future. And we could add to that statement several ways without changing the basic meaning of it, I think. We could say without forgiveness, there's no recovery. There is no healing. Without forgiveness, there is no freedom. And Again, we're talking about the power of forgiveness to set us free. I want to begin this last message on forgiveness with just the reminder what a big doctrine, a a major biblical doctrine forgiveness is. The Bible has so much to say about God's forgiveness of our sins, first of all. So I want to read a few verses for you and just sort of let these truths wash over your hearts. And remember that if you've trusted Christ, this is all true of you. All right, so just listen. Psalm 103:12 As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Lord, if you kept a record of our sins, who, O oh Lord, could ever survive? But you offer forgiveness. You have cast all my sins behind your back. <clears throat> You see, I, yes, I alone am the one who blots out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea, wrote the prophet Micah. Then over to the New Testament. Everyone who believes in him, speaking of Christ, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins Through his name. One last verse, Ephesians 1 7. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. So, all of those in the context of God's forgiveness for us. Praise God, amen? Amen. Some pretty great truths there. All of those about his forgiving us. The Bible also, though, has a lot to say about our forgiving one another. Here's just two examples. 1 Matthew 6. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And then Colossians 3. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. The Lord forgave you, so you must forgive. Forgive others. So what I want to do today is I want to do a little review of the last three weeks. And then I want to spend some time answering some very practical questions that have been raised. So remember three weeks ago, Easter was the story of the prodigal son. The most famous short story in the Bible. And the story of the prodigal son is actually my story. And it's actually your story. You see, we are the prodigals who turned our backs on a loving father. We've gone our own way. We've turned our back on God and sinned against him. And yet God welcomes us home. God forgave us totally. Not partially, but God forgave us completely. Such is his lavish love for us. And just by chance, if you're here today and you're kind of thinking to yourself, I'm, I'm kind of far away from God today. I just want to remind you how much he loves you and how much he wants you and invites you to To come home to him. And then two weeks ago, Pastor David spoke to us about the gospel reenactment. Every time we truly forgive somebody, we're actually reenacting the gospel. Living out the forgiveness that God gave us. And I love David's suggestion that this might be uh, one of the most important distinctions of the church. God wants us, His people, to live out the gospel in all of our relationships. And forgiveness is perhaps the greatest way that we do that. Then last week, we studied the parable of the unforgiving servant. And in that parable, Jesus was responding to Peter's question about how often to forgive someone. Remember, He said, Sir, I forgive someone up to seven times. He thought He was being very generous. And this parable teaches us why it's so important to forgive others. So that's the first question. Why is it important to forgive others? And Jesus actually gave us two answers. He said you're to forgive others without limit. First of all, he said, because that's how God forgave you. That's how God forgave me. Therefore, we're to forgive others the very same way, without limit. Seventy times seven is the way Jesus put it, without limit. We're to remember how much we have been forgiven and to extend the same kind of forgiveness and mercy to others. And secondly, he said we're to forgive others because if we don't, and here was the surprise in the story. He said, if we don't, it can actually bring suffering upon us. Jesus put it like this in Matthew 18. And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. And we kind of zeroed in on that word torturers and what that meant. Jesus taught that if we fail to forgive, it actually can produce suffering in our lives, chastisement. That's what that word torture refers to. It can be emotional torment. It can be physical suffering. And Jesus wants to spare us from that. And so this parable is a warning for for us to forgive others from our heart and avoid God's discipline. Well, today we're moving on from the why forgive to the how question. All right? That's our subject today. Let's begin by answering the question, what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is one of the richest words in all of Scripture. The various biblical authors chose a variety of different Hebrew and Greek words to convey the concept of forgiveness. One of the words they used means to blot out in the sense of God erasing He erases the record of all the sins we commit. Another common Hebrew word means to lift and carry away a great load. Speaking of the removal of our sins. So imagine a a big load on, on, on your back and God lifted that load and took it off of you. That's the picture of forgiveness or one of them. Still another word means to release from debt. Indicating the punishment for our sin has been canceled. And we saw that picture of course last week in the parable of the unforgiving servant. And in their book, Forgive and Love Again, Nieder and Thompson point out that the Bible actually uses at least 75 word pictures, different word pictures for forgiveness. It's that rich of a concept, that important. Here's a few more of them that I like To forgive is to turn the key, open the cell door, and let the prisoner walk free. To forgive is to pound the gavel in a courtroom and declare not guilty. To forgive is to loose the ropes of a ship and release it to float away into the sea. To forgive is to grant a full pardon to a condemned criminal. To forgive is to smash a clay pot into a thousand pieces so it can never be pieced back together again. So sort of think of yourself as a banker if you can put your mind in in that frame, okay? And imagine that you're holding in your hand a note that details this huge debt that somebody owes you. Okay? What kind of debts might be listed on that note? Just think personally, okay? What kind of sins or debts have been committed against you? Maybe uh, uh, slander or gossip, maybe some kind of abuse or fraud, maybe even rape or betrayal. And you carefully look at that note and review what it says, and then instead of putting it back in the file, you tear it into a thousand pieces and toss it away. When we forgive, we consciously, before God, cancel a debt. We discard the note. We pardon the prisoner. We release the offender. And then perhaps it's helpful to remind ourselves what forgiveness does not mean. The other side of it is this. Forgiveness is not denying the evil that was done against us. It's not excusing sinful behavior. It's not pretending... It never happened. It's not glossing over the pain that you suffered or removing all the consequences for wrong behavior. It's not overlooking criminal behavior if that's involved or approving of evil or condoning abuse. Acting as if the sin never happened, that's not what forgiveness means, okay? Or letting others continually walk over you, that's not it. It's not pretending you weren't hurt. What then is forgiveness? One of the most important things that I can say to you today is this, and you might jot this down. Forgiveness is primarily a choice more than a feeling. Yes, feelings are involved. We'll get to that. But it's primarily a decision, a choice that we make. God never said, forgive them if you feel like it. Forgiveness is not primarily about your feelings. And if you've been deeply hurt, you will probably never feel like forgiving the other person. Forgiveness is a choice or a decision first and foremost. We make it in our heart. We work it out in our feelings over time. But it's a choice to release others from their sins against us. And that's why forgiveness is often spoken of in Scripture as a command. God tells us we must forgive. It's it's primarily a choice rather than feelings. In 1 Corinthians 13.5, We're told this by the Apostle Paul. He said that love keeps no record of wrongs. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Forgiveness means letting go of the anger, letting go of the desire to take vengeance or get even. And seen in its true light, forgiveness is really an act of mercy towards someone who offends us. Sometimes we hear people say, well, he doesn't deserve to be forgiven. Of course, he doesn't deserve to be (laughs) forgiven. Okay, forgiveness isn't earned. If a person could earn it, we wouldn't need it in the first place. Forgiveness is a gift of mercy that you give someone who has hurt you. But Note this qualifier. Sometimes the other person may never even know about it. And we'll talk about that in a minute too. When you forgive somebody, God knows about it and you know about it. For sure, that's true. And sometimes that's all that matters. The end result is a change. It's a change in the way you feel and act toward that person. So if you're looking for fairness, you're probably never going to be satisfied. This is not about fairness. Forgiveness is about grace. Here's a third question. How do I know when I have truly forgiven someone? Ray Pritchard was a great resource for my sermon today, and there's five things he mentions that indicate when we've truly forgiven. I'm to list those for you. He said, you know when you've truly forgiven when you no longer think about it day and night. You know when you've truly forgiven when you no longer have to talk about it all the time. When you no longer feel the need to get even. When you no longer live in bitterness and anger. And when you can recall those who hurt you and you can wish them well. And I would add one well. You can... Not only wish them well, but you can do good toward them. Listen to Paul's exhortation in Romans 12. He said, Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. Do not, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. We overcome evil. We overcome offenses against us by doing good. Can you see yourself doing good to that person again? Maybe someday. Praying for them. For God's welfare. For God's good for them. Here's question number four. Is it biblical to talk about forgiving myself? And the answer is no, it's not. I can't think of a single verse in scripture that encourages us to forgive ourselves. However, I think there's more to the question than that. So let me begin by saying this. Forgiveness is based on the atoning work of the cross, period. That's it. But that being said, I think sometimes people who are Christians don't seem to really enjoy a clear conscience or the freedom that's normally associated with forgiveness. And even though there are not passages of Scripture that talk about forgiving ourselves, there are passages of Scripture that encourage and exhort us toward having a clear conscience. And I think that's probably what people are talking about when they talk about forgiving themselves. So in a sense, this is really a, a matter of semantics. I think sometimes we react against the, against the pop psychology, and, and so we should, uh, that talks like that. There's many passages that talk about having a clear conscience and enjoying the benefits of our forgiveness. For example, Paul tells us plainly in Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in... Christ Jesus. No condemnation. If you're in Christ, you're forgiven. There's no condemnation. But sometimes Christians sort of feel guilt and shame, even after asking Christ to forgive them. Listen to David describes the benefits of forgiveness in, in Psalm 103. He says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Listen to what number one benefit is. Who forgives all our iniquity, all your iniquity. That word means all your guilt. Okay? One of the things sometimes we struggle with is a guilty conscience. Uh, this is an ad. This isn't on your sermon notes and it's not on the PowerPoint, but uh, I want to add uh, Hebrews 9. 13 and 14, you might just jot that down. It says this, For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, God wants you to have a clear conscience before him. To know that your sins are forgiven and not to be burdened in shame and guilt. If you are still burdened with shame and guilt, then you haven't either truly repented or you need to accept the truth of what God's word says. I mean, who are we to question if we're forgiven, if God has truly forgiven us in Christ? If you want to deal more with that question, you can, I want to recommend Charles Stanley's book. It's on listed on the back of your sermon notes today. And you can actually download that whole book for $3.99 online. It's a great investment, a great little book. Here's question number five. Is forgiveness an event or a process? And the answer is yes. It's both an event in the sense that you must at some point make the decision, the choice. But it's also a process in that it takes time to work out the emotions and the feelings that go along with that decision. For example, I speak sometimes to people who get divorced and I've heard things like, you know, my husband left me for another woman and I guess I've forgiven him a million times. And I'm sometimes like, that's right, and you probably have to forgive him a million more times before you're done. And that might not sound like a word of hope, but it really is if you think about it, okay? At times there may be daily or regular reminders of the hurts that people cause us. Each time that emotion comes up, we have to remind ourselves that, yes, I chose to forgive that person and release them from my right to get even with them, for my right to, to feel ill toward them. Remember that forgiveness is not a tool for manipulating people into having a, a better relationship with you. And that leads me to the next question. Question six Does forgiveness always lead to reconciliation? And the answer simply is no. Forgiveness is one thing. Reconciliation is another thing. And it's nice. It's it's great when forgiveness leads to reconciliation. But it takes two willing people to be reconciled. Or two willing parties. See, we can't force another person to reconcile with us. Reconciliation must come from a heart that God's spirit has prompted and worked in. I was talking to someone recently during this series about this very thing. and It was bothering them that the person they were trying to reconcile with wasn't even willing to, to talk to, to them. To which I said something like this, you know, forgiveness is one thing, reconciliation is another. You can only do your part, and that's to forgive. But you can't make them be ready and willing to reconcile. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with all men, Paul said. Forgiveness depends on you, Reconciliation depends on you plus the other party. Often that's not possible. Sometimes it's not even wise. Question seven is, do I need to tell the other person I forgive you? The answer is not necessarily. Obviously if they ask you to forgive them, I would say yes, let them know that you forgive them. Voice it to them. But I'm thinking about those times when we're hurt by the thoughtless comments and by the unkind actions of other people. And oftentimes, the other person doesn't even realize that they hurt us, right? Most of the time, it is not helpful in those cases to go to them and say, you know, you did this to me and I want to forgive you for that. And I say that because most of the time, you just end up picking a fight and the argument becomes whether, they need to forgive, whether you need to forgive them or not. It's also helpful to remember that... Your forgiveness doesn't depend upon them receiving it at all. That's reconciliation. You, you don't need their permission to forgive them. You don't need their agreement that what they did against you is wrong. Just forgive. Choose forgiveness in your heart and then move on with your life. Oftentimes, uh, that's just how it works. Question eight Do I forgive someone who doesn't apologize? How do you forgive those who aren't willing, aren't able, or cannot for some reason own up to what they did to you? If they don't ask for forgiveness, how can you forgive them? Sometimes people ask. And this is a painful problem for many people because we just simply live in a cruel world with lots of mean people. You may know somebody like that. You might even live with somebody like that. Or you may have a relative who abused you and never confessed, never admitted it, never apologized. How do you forgive someone who's already died? What about people who've moved away and you don't know how to get in contact with them? What does it mean to forgive in those kind of situations? Writing over 400 years ago, John Calvin addressed this very question by saying, there's really two kinds of forgiveness. The first is the kind where the person who did wrong admits it. They come to you and apologize. They ask forgiveness. You grant it, and the relationship is restored. That's the best kind. That's the ideal scenario, right? There's confession, forgiveness, reconciliation, healing. Unfortunately, in this fallen world, the ideal is not always possible. Sometimes people who've wronged us won't admit their guilt. Sometimes they'll lie to cover up what they did. Sometimes they'll completely cut off the relationship rather than face the hard work of reconciliation. How do we forgive in a situation like that? That's the second kind that he talked about. And Calvin said that you can forgive even in that situation in the sense that you just let go of the anger and bitterness and refuse to let all of that hurt dominate your own life anymore true the relationship remains broken it may never be healed but you can choose not to remember or to release the hurt that that has been done against you. You can choose to wipe the slate clean so that your life is free from the bitterness that's not easy but it's better than living with a wounded heart much better and there's also biblical precedent for that in the example of Jesus himself, when you think about it. When he hung on the cross, an innocent man put to death for crimes he did not commit, what did he say? He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So do we forgive someone who doesn't apologize for the hurt they caused us? Absolutely, yes. We must. Number nine, what about the feelings of anger that I keep having? How do I deal with the feelings of anger that keep coming back? I've made the decision to forgive, but I can't get over the feeling of angriness, of anger. <clears throat> There's a fairly, that's a fairly common problem, especially when we've been hurt deeply or repeatedly. In one of her writings, Corey Tenboom told this story. She told about some Christian friends who wronged her in a public and a very uh, malicious way. And she said, for days I was bitter and angry until I chose to forgive them. But then she said, in the night, I would wake up in the middle of the night thinking about what they did to me and I'd get angry all over again. And it just seemed like the memory wouldn't go away. And she says, help came from a Lutheran pastor to whom I confessed my frustration after two sleepless weeks. This was a big deal. And he told her this, Corey, up in the church tower is a bell that is rung by pulling on a rope. And when the bell ringer pulls the rope, the bell peels out, ding dong, ding dong, you know. What happens if he doesn't pull the rope again? In other words, what happens if he lets go and stops? Slowly the sound fades away, right? Forgiveness is like that, he explained. When we forgive someone, we take our hand off the rope. But if we've been tugging at our grievances for a long time, we shouldn't be surprised if the old angry thoughts keep coming for a while. They're just the ding-dongs of the old bell slowing down, is how he put it. I like that. So it's not surprising if after we choose to forgive, for a while the memories, the feelings keep coming back. But if we refuse to dwell on them, slowly they will fade away. One final question, number 10, is total forgiveness realistic? Is it even realistic? You know, on a purely human level, the answer is no. In our own strength, we will never be able to forgive as God forgives us, completely, absolutely, freely, Graciously, no strings attached. That's not humanly possible. It's beyond our grasp. But once we bring God into this equation, everything changes. Because with God, all things are possible. Beloved, even if there is not immediate reconciliation, or the hope of reconciliation, there can still be total forgiveness. With God's help, Total forgiveness is not only realistic, it becomes a supernatural way of life. Forgiveness is nothing less than a miracle of God. It's a miracle we receive from God when we receive his forgiveness. And it's a miracle that we give to others when in Jesus' name and with his help, we choose to forgive the sins against us. Friend, it's also how we reenact the gospel. We are never more like Jesus Christ than when we choose to forgive. Without forgiveness there is no future as Archbishop Desmond Tutu said and his, wor- re- his words ring true because they're based on God's truth. Without forgiveness there is no future and there's no hope, there's no healing, there's no freedom. But there is forgiveness and grace and mercy and a future as bright as the promises of God. So let's embrace that kind of life and experience the freedom God has for us. Amen? A couple of uh, next steps that I have for you today, three actually. Here's the first one. I will forgive. Is there somebody that you have been holding on to a grudge toward? Friend, I want to encourage you today, before we move on from the subject, to let go of that pain, let go of that hurt. It will weigh you down. It will eat you up. You see, Jesus is waiting for you to decide to forgive so that he can set you free. He will help you. Will you choose today to forgive that person? To help with forgiveness, I want to suggest again the Bible study I mentioned last week by Bruce Wilkinson. It's called 70 Times 70, Finding Peace by Forgiving Others and Yourself. It's an eight-week video, small group Bible study. And we are going to begin that second group I mentioned last week. We have a pilot group already about halfway through. We have a second group starting next week. It will be at 11.30 up in the upper gym up the stairs uh, during the last service each week. And uh, you can be part of that. Just write on your communication card today. Write 70 by 7 small group. Let us know you're coming. That way we'll make room for you. Or uh, if you decide later in the week, just show up next week at 11.30. Next step number two, I will ask forgiveness from... Fill in that blank. Is there somebody that you need to go to now and to say to them, I'm sorry. I'm humbling myself. I apologize for what I did to you. Will you please forgive me? Don't wait. Experience the freedom that God wants to give you as you let go of all of that. And finally, have you ever really let it sink in, the message of God's forgiveness for you? What he has done for you and for me by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. To die in our place, to take our sin to the cross and to shed his blood for our forgiveness. Next step three addresses that. It says, I will receive complete forgiveness in Christ today. Don't wait any longer if you've never taken that step. Please. And if you're not sure how to do that, I'll help you in just a moment. But... I want to remind you of the words of of Acts 10.43. Everyone who believes in him, that's in Christ, receives forgiveness of sins through his name. We don't get forgiveness of sins by going to church or by trying to be better or trying to do more good things. It's by faith, by believing in him, in Jesus Christ, and in him alone. If you've never taken that step, I'd love you to take that step today. Would you bow with me in prayer? And our prayer time is going to begin with just a few moments of silence. I want to just give you some time to process what you've been hearing these last few weeks and to talk to the Lord about what you're thinking about or anything that he's uh, put on your heart. So I'll just be quiet and let you pray for a moment. Then, friend, if you're here and you've never taken that first step of faith in Christ, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. And I invite you to pray silently in your heart with me, something like this to God and say, "God, I need your forgiveness. Thank you for sending Jesus to die in my place and to shed His blood for me. And today, I put my faith in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of my sin. I receive Him as my Savior." I thank you for sending him to die in my place and Father we are all so grateful for that amazing gift of grace and forgiveness And we confess again today how hard it is for us to forgive We repent of the sin of unforgiveness Of holding on to hurts and debts against us We need your help, we admit that So please remind us of just how much you have forgiven us Because that's so key We agree with Apostle Paul who said, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Father, we thank you for the joy and the freedom that we have in your forgiveness of our sins. And please move us to forgive others. Please move us toward reconciliation wherever possible. Help us to make forgiveness a part of our daily lifestyle. In other words, please make us more and more like Jesus, your son. In his name we pray, and everybody agreed and said, Amen. Amen.